Good morning, afternoon, evening, and welcome to the 8311 cast, your premier Midwestern-based sports podcast, bringing you all things sports to your beautiful ears. Join your hosts, Isle Mersh, Mike Ludwig, Ariane Barry, and Wyatt Teeter as we talk to you about the NFL, college football, and of course, our signature segments, Mike's Stupid Rules and Write That Down Predictions, here on episode 193. This week's been a special week of football, of course, and we will certainly talk about the Iowa State and Kansas game, but not before we talk a little bit about the NFL. First of all, Two fun facts for the week. The first one is one of my favorite things in the world. It is a NFL scoregami. It's not as cool as a baseball scoregami, but it's still pretty cool. Uh, 48-15 Seahawks-Lions was the final that has never been scored before ever in the history of tracking NFL statistics. Very cool. What's not very cool is, of course, Trevor Lawrence. I'm sure you've all heard that he lost the ball four times this past week, which is the most amount of fumbles lost by a quarterback in a single game ever. Previous to this... We had a 16-way tie of quarterbacks that have lost the ball three times in a game, uh, but never four. So shout out to Trevor Lawrence. Um, Bonus fun fact, Kurt Warner and Chad Pennington are the two quarterbacks who have both fumbled a massive six times in a single game. Uh, However, Pennington only lost two of those, and Warner, I think, lost three uh, in those two respective games. So... So you, you, you're explicitly calling out quarterbacks in this fact. Do you know if that means there's like a running back who's lost five fumbles in a game? Or? So it's interesting. I When I had seen this fact written down, it said it was the most fumbles lost in a century or something odd like that, but I could find no sourcing on what that means. Do you mean in the 2000s? Do you mean literally in the last hundred years? What happened before that? And I couldn't find anything specific I didn't dig too hard into it. I was like, I'll make it easy for myself and call it a quarterback stat, but I have no idea. I'm not sure, but I can see if I can find it. If you know, fellow listener, give us a, a shout out on Twitter at 8311cast or on Instagram. We'll uh, certainly retweet your stat. Yeah, we definitely will. Let us know. As uh, Wyatt uh, mentioned in the intro, we're going to mix things up uh, this week. We'll definitely get to um, this week's um, Cyclone football disaster against Kansas. But before we get there, um, we just want to talk about the NFL first this week. Uh, Kyle, what uh, what do we need to know about the NFL? Well, what you need to know about the NFL is that a lot happened this week. And had you been on Twitter uh, for week three of the NFL, you would have seen that Tua Tagovailoa was injured on a play uh, in which he got up and was uh, visibly um, wobbly uh, after after a hit sustained uh, against the Baltimore Ravens. Um, he was taken out of the game, evaluated for a concussion, put back into the game later uh, with, quote-unquote, a back injury, and that he passed all concussion testing. Uh, a large uproar came out of that by the NFL Players Association. They launched a private investigation into the matter. Um, but what actually happened is Tua, like before, while this all was going on, the Dolphins were slated to play Thursday night football. Tua was never questionable for that game, listed as a practice participant the whole week. Uh, and in the game against the Cincinnati Bengals, he gets another concussion in which... Uh, He was posturing, and if anyone doesn't know what that is, go look it up. Um, After a sustained concussion, posturing is is something that your body does as like a response to that. Um, 
your whole body tenses and like tightens up. Uh, his fingers basically looked like all of his fingers were broken at that point. Um, this situation is just a huge mess right now. Uh, the NFL and the NFL Players Association appoint independent neurospecialists uh, to evaluate concussions um, in the NFL in those instances and basically to give the green light saying, hey, this is okay for this player to go back out. This is not okay. Uh, that independent neurospecialist, uh, according to Ian Rappaport via the Pat McAfee show today, said that that uh, independent neurospecialist was fired uh, from the Miami Dolphins. Um, according to Ian Rappaport, it wasn't based on his decision stemming from week three. Uh, it was actually based on his hostile uh, interviews and debriefs from the incident towards the NFL Players Association and the independent uh, investigation. So take that as you might. Uh, he was probably in the room saying, well, you didn't have a concussion. And then the Players Association was like, but he was wobbly. And he was like, well, are you a doctor? I don't think so. So he got fired for that. I don't know. They said there were multiple causes that got him fired, but it is what it is. That whole such situation in Miami is a huge mess in my opinion and to the opinion of a lot of people on Twitter too, it never should have been allowed to play um, that Thursday night football game against the Cincinnati Bengals. Nonetheless, the Bengals won that football game. So weird thing to me, you know, everybody says somebody needs to be held responsible. Somebody needs to get fired. He never should have been allowed to play, but we have all these rules in place. And according, unless you've seen reports that I have not seen, Tua passed every test. So I don't know why this is a problem on any individual. This needs to be something that the NFL and the NFLPA look at as far as what are these tests and what are the hoops you have to jump through to go back in the game? Because anybody with eyes could tell that that man had a concussion in that game. So if he passed the test, the tests aren't good enough. That's not a specific person that needs to get fired. I think that's the whole issue is they're not saying that it's a specific person that has to be fired and that's technically why that uh, independent neurospecialist was, he wasn't for his decision he made. He was fired because he was being apparently a reported a-hole uh, during all of the interviews to like the independent investigation. So the Players Association was like, nah, you don't need to be here. Get out. You know, there's a door. Uh, and that was that. I think this is a larger conversation about how they handle the concussion protocol because yeah. last night Cameron Brait was diagnosed with a concussion after the game after he clearly was like he was knocked out. He ran into his own player, was knocked out. He was stumbling off the field, walking a little bit funny, and yet uh, he actually caused a 12 man on the field for the offense when Tom Brady snapped the ball because he didn't know he was off the field, wasn't off the field yet. He was moving so slowly and he was apparently evaluated and allowed to go back in later uh, was ruled to have a concussion following the game. So clearly something in the proceedings, the procedure on this is not working. And what the Players Association is apparently proposing right now is that anyone who is e exhibiting signs of what Tua showed against the Baltimore Ravens, that player is automatically not allowed, allowed to return to a game until they have a full cycle to really evaluate and review it. 
I don't know what the, there are FDA authorized tests for concussions that take 10 minutes. Why aren't we doing these? Like, it's not like your finger, right? There are like actual devices that do actual concussion tests. I've seen them in action. Why are we not using these? I, maybe the NFL hasn't vetted them for use or whatever. Let's be I, real. They're probably too accurate is why. Because yep. the NFL is smarter than the FDA when it comes to no, evaluating. No, they're not. But what, they, what they are is a money-making organization and a player like Tua Tagovailoa going out, putting Teddy Bridge over water back into the game. Hey, don't you hit Teddy It's not as exciting. It's not as exciting. I love Teddy Two Gloves. Me too. He's a great guy. I just had to, I, I mean, I just had to use that. Like Patrick Mahomes, if he gets a concussion it, and it's iffy, it's on the border, are they really just saying, okay, we'll throw Chad Henney in there and that's going to be just as good as Patrick Mahomes? No, it's not. It, it hurts the ratings. It would be absurd to assume that a league that has done its best at all odds to either deny or downplay the effects of football on brain health would all of a sudden just be 100% and like doing their best. Like we don't believe that. And everybody knows that it's they've done what they've set all this stuff in place to make it look like they're doing what they can. But Pat McAfee and AJ Hawk both said it pretty candidly today. It, the NFL doesn't give a about player health and safety at all. They don't care. When you when your system essentially allows players to intentionally cheat the baseline test to pass concussion protocol mm-hmm. later on in the season, you have a broken system. Like, wasn't that a story like ten years ago that, that got resurfaced now again? The whole Peyton yeah, Manning. I think thing Howie Long said it too. A decade ago, we were talking about this. If your system allows allows for that, you have a broken system. Works just fine for their purposes. There are devices that can that can do this, right? But they would do the job too well. Yeah. There you have it. I mean, if 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 I'm Tua, I'm I'm seriously thinking about just just retiring right now, right? He hasn't made his he hasn't made his contract money yet, though. That's the thing. He hasn't made it off of his he hasn't made it off of his rookie deal. He's a first round draft pick. He signed for fifty million dollars. I'm going to pull up the actual stats on that because I doubt it's $50 million. I probably wouldn't. But however, when you have a play where it's almost not your choice, whether or not you're going to retire or not, like man might've been in a wheelchair. If it went a little bit differently, it it was not inconceivable that he may have had some type of paralysis when watching that play. It was brutal. Uh, $30 million. Okay. 19 million signing bonus. So 49 million. Yeah. That's not enough. Can't even buy a McDonald's for that anymore. In a sorry, in a tax-free state too, by the way. So income tax. He's all right. He's probably fine. He's got more than enough money if he wants to retire. Like I, I'm seriously retiring. But he, two concussions, especially in the same game, can actually like that could kill a person. Now, yeah. granted, it wasn't in the same game, but it's in five days from was, each other. Yeah, Less two than concussions in hours the same apart. month. Like, like, it's not like you, you fully heal from a concussion, especially within five days, even within a month. I mean, re-injury there is just insane. And, and like you mentioned, the Pat McAfee show, the NFL just doesn't give a darn about player health and safety. They pretend like they do. But it, it, after watching this, how, how, how do they? If the NFL cared about player safety, they would get, also get rid of artificial turf fields. Ugh, I hate but, but there, that's there a ACL, whole yeah. other topic of conversation. 
But don't forget, we'll, we still have the whole Iowa State. Say, we'll can, move on. I know. <laughs> yeah. We're going to go move on from that. But the, the whole bottom line is this Tua situation is a mess. Uh, Cameron Brait is now adding to that as well from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So uh, lots of stuff going on. Buckle your seatbelts. This isn't going to get any better anytime soon. Um, so it is what it is. I will, on a good note, for all of those Eagles fans out there, y'all are very happy right now. The Eagles remain unbeaten as being the lone unbeaten team in the NFL, 4-0 so far, as they beat the Jags uh, and Trevor Lawrence, uh, as Lawrence had a day to forget um, in the rain and the slop that was the leftover remnants of of Hurricane Ian um, at that point. So not a good game, but Eagles, it showed some uh, some, you know, comeback power and uh just banding together as a team they're down early 14 to nothing scoring 29 unanswered points uh jalen hurts in a year where it was prove it or uh lose your starting job is playing phenomenally for the philadelphia eagles so far uh and they look like they have it rolling up there in a very easy division mind you um over probably one of the best games on paper of the week was the Bills and the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, the Baltimore Ravens jumped out to a 20-3 to lead in this game. Everything seemed to be going right for Lamar Jackson and company. Uh, and Josh Allen and the Bills just kind of slowly but surely picked their way back. Um, some late analytics questions that came up with John Harbaugh and the team. Uh, how they use their timeouts. The Bills were able to uh, essentially they got a first down and just took some knees, kicked a field goal from like the two yard line uh, to win the game. Bills go to three and one. Baltimore Ravens two and two. Uh, in Seattle, uh, they didn't need to let Russ cook anymore because they're letting Geno Smith bake, uh, as some might say. He is playing very well through the first four games of the season actually playing better statistically than Russell Wilson is. Uh, Russell Wilson is currently 80 of 131 for a 61.1% completion percentage. Geno Smith, 102 to 132, or out of 132, 77% completion percentage, which is the highest uh, completion percentage through the first four games in NFL history. Uh, Russell Wilson only has 980 passing yards. Geno Smith already eclipsed 1,000 at 1037. Uh, Wilson, four TDs, one interception. Geno Smith, six TDs, two interceptions. Wilson with the better TD to interception ratio, but overall, Geno Smith has more touchdown passes. So is this Pete Carroll opening up the offense in spite of Russell Wilson leaving? I Who knows? But is this Geno Smith at least playing better than uh, Russell Wilson to start the season? On paper, yes. Uh does this beg the question now with Denver losing to the 0-3 Las Vegas Raiders this week, does this beg the question that Denver wasn't actually a quarterback away, right? And the defense played horribly. Uh, special teams wasn't great either for uh, for the Broncos in that loss um, to the Raiders. And the Raiders got a much-needed victory, especially in the AFC West in a divisional game. Mike, your Vikings escaped London because of another double doink you uh, kickers are are the the heartache of vikings fans right they yes i mean yeah that was just it was a very exciting game but in some ways it's not great because 
like that was a Saints team that was without their number one wide receiver, their number one running back, and their number one quarterback, and you still went down to the wire against them, right? You sort of just expect more out of your team um, than that, than just a three-point win. You gave up 25 points to um, backups all along that offense. Um, I wasn't super impressed, but in the NFL, there are no style points. Um, a win is a win, and uh, that's that's all you can say. There are no style points in the NFL. They won. That, and defense, won. that defense has taken a significant step back, though. The Vikings right. defense? Yeah, correct. I mean, it was awful last year, too. It was worse. It was just as bad last year. I oh. wouldn't say it's a step back. It feels like a step back, at least from what the Minnesota Vikings typically pride themselves on. But now they're switching to an offensive head coach compared to a defensive one. The, this team is essentially the same as this team is statistically pretty much the same as last year, except this year their opponent missed the chip shot field goal. Uh, well, I, I guess it wasn't a chip shot, missed the game winning field goal. Um, whereas last year it was the Vikings missing the game winning field goal. All right. Th- those are the difference between their, their one and three start last year and the three and one start this year. Statistically, it's a very, very similar team. Well, speaking of teams that statistically are on the wrong side of the football as the Vikings had or last year, the Pittsburgh Steelers seem to be on the wrong side of things right now. Nothing was going well with Mitch Trubisky. The Kenny Pickett era has indeed begun in Pittsburgh. Um, Although his first uh, career NFL pass was an interception, he did have three interceptions in that game, uh, which allowed Brees and the Jets to get the win. Brees Hall getting the rushing touchdown uh, in the waning seconds of that game. Um, As the Jets moved to two and two and the Steelers moved to one and three, Possibly the first losing season in Mike Tomlin's career as a head coach. Who knows? Uh, the Steelers team is missing a lot without um, TJ Watt there. Uh, and, you know, we'll see what Kenny Pickett can do now. Speaking of Kenny Pickett, though, can any of you name which rookie quarterback this season was the first to throw a touchdown pass? Uh, what's his name? The, the guy from Western Kentucky. With an E in his, that end his last name that looks like Zappy, but isn't. Yes, Bailey Zappy. Zappy. No, they, no I, it's, it's Zappy. You oh, it's Zappy. Yeah, yeah, it's Zappy. He, you, you're right, Mike. Zappy got it was the first rookie this season, rookie quarterback this season to throw a touchdown. If you put, if you were able to bet on that, I don't know if that's something you could bet on. You probably had great odds and could cash out a lot of money right now, uh, but. I don't know if anyone bet on that, but that's what happened. Uh, down to their third string quarterback, the New England Patriots were. They took uh, Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay into overtime at Lambeau Field. Uh, Aaron Rodgers in overtime, though, was able to get the job done uh, as he marched the team down for a last second Mason Crosby game winning field goal. Aaron Rodgers did throw his fifth. 500th career passing touchdown becoming only the fifth player in NFL history with at least 500 touchdown passes. So uh, just eclipsed another milestone for him in that game Uh, for all the struggles and wide receiver issues that they seem to have uh, going into the season. Somehow the green Bay Packers are now three and one Uh, the Patriots dropped to one and three. 
the Chiefs do get back on track uh, in the Sunday night finale uh, against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. A little bit of a revenge grudge match, as everyone was calling it, from the Super Bowl on the same field that they lost uh, to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, two years ago. Uh, Mahomes threw for three touchdowns, including a Houdini-style play that got the Twitter world rocking. Um, which if you go back and look at the video, it was actually a no look pass as well. Um, but the chiefs overwhelmed the Buccaneers defense. They hung 41 on, uh, prior or going into the game, the league's best defense, um, statistically, it, it was, this was the four fourth time or four times out of eight. So eight times total. But four times the Andy Reid-led team has scored more than 40 points on a Tom Brady team. Um, it's only happened eight times in Tom Brady's career. He usually has good defense, or those games are all low scoring. Uh, Andy Reid has four of those 40-point wins against Tom Brady. So big game for the Chiefs. They needed it after a kind of stunning loss to the Indianapolis Colts uh, in Week 3. So there you have it. There's Week Week four of the NFL season is almost done. Uh, NFC West divisional matchup on Monday night, October 3rd, as we are recording this between the Rams and the 49ers. Very nice. Uh, Thank you, Kyle, for um, filling us in on everything that happened in the NFL. Um, And as we uh, teased earlier, we're now going to move into our Cyclone football segment, which if you didn't see the Cyclones fell in a very frustrating, embarrassing, disgusting, insert your favorite adjective here, um, loss to KU 14 to 11. Let's just talk about it. What what are your thoughts? Like what, just, just go. I don't have any, there's no set agenda here. Just go. Tell me what your thoughts are. I want to open up by just saying credit to KU. Uh, as we stated earlier in the NFL section, and as my wife reminded me after the game when I was complaining about it, a win's a win, right? Yes, but a loss is not a loss. So you can say that when you win, but when you reflect on it, uh, it it's bad. We lost that game. They did what they needed to do, I guess. And, you know, credit to them, 5-0. and They get game day next week. Finally ranked. I'm happy for them. But Iowa State did not deserve to win that game. They played terribly on special teams. Big surprise. Uh, Common theme there. And we were talking earlier, the special teams really took all the pressure off the fact that the offense was also pretty, pretty bad. I said before this game, if you stop Jalen Daniels, you win the game. I specifically said on Saturday, if you can hold Jalen Daniels under 50 yards without a touchdown, this is a win. This is a win. He had nine yards on eight carries. And he passed for 93 yards. He did nothing. Nobody did anything. And we still lost. They had a combined 213 total yards. Hunter Decker threw for more than that. I don't. It, it was just terrible. The offense and the special teams overshadowed what was a stellar performance Fantastic. by the defense. Yeah, absolutely stellar. What has this team given up all season? Going into the game, what was it, 17 points, 24 points, something like that, plus 14? You've given up, what, less than 40 points on the season so far through four games? No, I think we gave up quite a bit versus Baylor. Yeah, because we gave up 31 oh, on Baylor. Baylor. Yeah. Baylor, oops. 
But every other game has been fantastic. And this KU right. was averaging 47 points a game going into this. You held them to 14. This is a win by everything in the box score. And now what we've been saying about KU this entire time, oh, they need to prove it to me. We say they're good. They need. This is what we say about Iowa State now. They haven't proven it versus anybody. Oh, we beat Iowa? Congrats. Iowa doesn't even know how to play offense somehow worse than we do. I am, I've been impressed by nothing so far this season after this game. This game and Baylor back-to-back makes me feel like, does this team know how to win games? Because I haven't seen a lot of it. I mean, and and the special teams are just, we've been saying the special teams have been a problem on this team for what, three or four years? Four years. Four years. It's it's not like this just came out of nowhere overnight, right? It's not like, oh, crap, your kicker and your special teams have not been good mystery field goals. It happens, right? These special teams have been bad for four years. How can you not fix it in four years? You don't hire a special teams coach. There you have it. Hire a coach to take care of special teams. Do you want to know the team that is always good at special teams and that it always hovers around 500, no matter what, no matter the players, the talent that they have, nothing. Doesn't matter. K-State is always around 500 because they win the third phase of football. There are three phases of football, offense, defense, special teams. We are trash at special teams. We lose that all the time, all the time. What was that stat that, uh, like the close game losses that we had? We've lost eight out of our last 10 single score games. There you go. How many of those games could we go back and look at and say, had we won the third phase of that football game, might we have won that game? I mean, I can think of at least three off the, or at least uh, two off the top of my head. So, and there's probably more. The only reason we were even in a position to tie the game at the end of the game with a field goal is because we botched a point after and we just got lucky. Like it's bad on all fronts constantly. I think we've only had one game this year where we have not had a massive special teams blowout of some sort. It, it is obvious and you should probably do something about it. And I feel bad for all these guys on defense who played a hell of a game and it did not matter because nobody else bothered to show up. That was an incredible performance by the defense. I know there's a lot of negativity, but the, that defense was incredible. You know how we talked about it? Was the defense going to be able to do what they did last season? I think this defense, I don't know. Is this defense maybe better than last year's defense? It, I'm that's, not ready to say that. I'm, I'm not ready, to it, but we could at least start the conversation of like this defense is doing some good things and they're they're coming together a lot faster than the rest of of the team as a whole uh the linebackers have been great i mean we're getting some good push in the front uh anthony johnson has looked great in his switch in positions it, the defense is being overshadowed by the atrocity that we see on the other two phases in, in like of this football team the offense, the the offense's biggest problem was getting into the end zone. Like you said, Hunter yeah. Decker's threw for a de- right. He had a decent game. I wouldn't call he it threw a great for more game, yards than KU had. Right, Hunter Decker's threw for two hundred eighty-seven yards and a, a TD and an interception. The issue is we couldn't get anything going on the ground. Now, granted, that interception was horrible. By the way, it was, was that interception. The only reason I 
I firmly believe the only reason KU had 14 points was because of that interception. That interception set them up inside the red zone. You can't you can't make that kind of mistake on your side, like at the minus 20. You can't. Hunter Deckers was the better quarterback in that game, according to quarterback writing. But the issue is you couldn't run anything, right? Iowa State had... 0.5 yards per rush. That's 0.5, half a yard per rush on average. Now, it doesn't help that Julio Brock got hurt on his first carry of the game, went for eight yards, and he hurt his ankle and couldn't return. So we'll give the rush game a little bit of a pass because they were without, uh, of course, their number one rusher. But you've got to do something in the run game. Otherwise, KU can turn up the pass rush, which they, which they did. They got five sacks on Deckers. And he was under pressure um, most of the rest of the game. And then the other thing that frustrated me with the offense was a combination of two things. One, why did we run so many short crossing routes that were in front of the sticks on third down? How many times did Hutchinson catch the ball or, or Noel two yards in front of the sticks on third down? Why are we not running these routes towards the sticks? What, the only th- question that I have on that, and I would have to go back and look at the tape to see if KU is playing man or zone. The only reason why I think they would run that route one yard within one yard of the line of scrimmage is if it's supposed to be a pick route, right? Because of that offensive pass interference rule, you can't run a like a pick route, rub route, pat one yard past the line of scrimmage. So that would be the only reason. But if KU is playing zone in that instance. That play is not going to work in zone, right? Because you're picking air. It, it doesn't work with the spacing. So if it's a zone, the receiver, it's the receiver's job and the quarterback's job to really, you know, identify that, call that out. It's man or zone and alert the receivers to say, hey, if you're if it's zone, you're running to the sticks and then running that crossing route. At least catch the ball at the sticks. You can't run that route. If it's third and three, you can't run that route one yard downfield and hope you're going to get upfield two yards. Yeah. And the other thing on that, right, is receivers, especially on third down, if you catch the ball, go upfield. I don't want to see you dancing when you're two yards from the first down marker on third down. Go straight forward. No, it's not going to be a big play, but it's going to be a first down. And I would much rather have a 100% chance at exactly three yards than a 50% chance of two yards and a, and, a, uh, and, a, and a 20% chance that you turn it for eight yards. Go get me three yards. Go get me the first down. I don't want to see you dancing. Go up field. Get the first down. Get the first down. It's ridiculous. Don't dance. Go up field. And if you get those first downs, do you know what you don't have to do? Kick field goals. Kick field goals. And hey, you get another chance to, I don't know, make a play. Do you? Yeah, that's how football works. Get a first down, maybe you'll get another catch. KU completed eight passes on the day. Eight. How you lose? Yeah. I didn't even, this was my, my first time looking at the box score was actually just now because I was so frustrated after the game, I didn't bother. I didn't realize how bad KU's offense was. Really bad. Really bad. Like I knew what I was seeing was domination by Iowa State on everything except the scoreboard. But holy cow. 
Yeah, I just yeah, keep just... looking at the box score and I'm just like, none of this ma- it doesn't make sense when I look at the score after I look at the box score. It's not what it's supposed to look like. Ugh, it was a mess. You, you held him to uh, 30% on uh, third down. You converted four fourth downs that game and you still only scored 11 points. You won the penalty battle. We only yep. had four penalties for 40 yards. They have seven penalties for 56 yards. Time of possession, 10 minutes in our favor. Uh, y- y- you're minus one in turnovers. Other than that, I mean, and rushing, I don't know, man. The other thing I want to talk about is, is we talked a lot about the officiating last week. In my opinion, the officiating was worse this week than last week. Because as we talked about last week, there were a lot of judgment calls that we that we didn't like that the officials didn't make in this game. I think there were at least two times they just completely screwed up the rules. And to me, that's unacceptable judgment calls. They'll go against you. It happened, but there were two times in this game where the official is just absolutely completely screwed up administering the game. And that's that, that can't happen. The first one was the call that was an eligible man downfield that they then reviewed and says wasn't an eligible man downfield because he wasn't downfield. And that's correct, right? But the thing was, the penalty was called on the person that caught the ball. And he wasn't an eligible man downfield, but he was still an ineligible, he was still ineligible and he caught the ball, which is illegal touching. It's pretty straightforward, right? They weren't reviewing whether or not he was eligible or not because he clearly was covered up on the line of scrimmage, which he can't be, according to the rules. Right? That's either an illegal formation or illegal touching. That's textbook. And they reviewed it two times and missed it. I don't know how that's possible. And the second one, I didn't catch this um, until I was re-watching the end of the game um, today. Um, on the, the last punt return from Iowa State, uh, Noel brought it out and he got tackled very clearly at Kansas's 39-yard line. And then the officials spotted the ball at Kansas's 44-yard line. How does that happen? How do you just lose five yards? How does nobody know where the guy got tackled? Was that the one where they in- initially threw a flag for a legal block in the back, but then they picked up the, they discussed it, came together, discussed it, and picked up the flag? Yes, yeah. and that was the right yep. call. That block was, was to the right, side. Right, but block is was- that why they spotted it wrong? Well, I don't care why they spotted it wrong. That can't happen. I- I agree. I would have been less upset if they just called the illegal block in the back than if you spot the ball wrong. Why? I don't know if you have any thoughts on how something like that could happen. But well, I was trying to find it in the tape. Do you know about what what game time was? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can find it. Hold on. Give me one second. Um, it was with uh, you can find it with about three little before three minutes left in the game. So here's third and twelve, and here's the punt. He's he's down on the thirty nine. Maybe maybe the forty. Yeah, he was down at the thirty. And and fast forward and look where they spot the ball, Wyatt. Is this after the after the officials conference? Yeah, after the officials yeah. conference. Look look where we take that first snap from. Whoa! Right. Um, we lost six yards. Uh, five yards. Four or five. Four or five. Yeah. I thought you said the thirty-nine. It was spotted at the forty-five. Forty-four. Oh, 44. Okay. Maybe the 43. It's in between, like between the 44 the, and yeah. the 43. Yeah. It's like five ish yards. Yeah. Well, what are your thoughts on that? What are your thoughts on that, Wyatt? 
my first thought, so when I first saw him go down, he, it looks like he was probably down at the 39, right? You might yeah, yeah, maybe the 40, yeah. And it, it maybe the umpire saw it was 38, and somebody made the mistake and placed the ball at the 49, 48. Uh, they must have just gotten five yards off. How did nobody catch that? Yeah, there's supposed to be multiple the, the referees coaches, and umpires. Well, and, not, not yeah, how, did, how right? did the Iowa State sideline miss that too? Yeah, that's like, a great like, question. A, a, after after the punt, right? So even live after the punt, I was thinking in my head, all right, 40 yards for a touchdown to win the game. And then they spot it at the 43 and I'm like, oh, I must have just misremembered where he got tackled. And then I went back and watched it and I was like, nah, they, they just spotted the ball wrong. The end of the kick's at the 50. He's going. Yeah. He didn't touch his knee down early or anything. The ball's clearly down at, at the 40. It looks like it was. Sure. 39, 40. How do you get about five yards off there? They, they I, spotted I no where idea. the flag's at. Right. Which isn't the, correct because they no, picked up the flag. Yeah. But that's where the ball ended up was right where the flag landed. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. What what provisions does Iowa State have to if they were to catch that like from I mean, the sideline? You can challenge it. Well, yeah, you just you can challenge it. the spot on the field, right? Yeah, yeah. In the NCAA, what you would do is call a timeout for a referees conference and tell the white hat what's going on, and they'll they'll go and look at it. Just be like, hey, I think you spotted the ball on. Can you take a look at that for me? Pretty much, yep. Except at this point in the game, the words probably wouldn't be that nice. But yeah, yeah, different words. Yeah, hey you, hey you idiot! <laughs> oh no, he wouldn't do that because then they won't look at it. I'm gonna say, we've, we've seen Matt Campbell on the sideline. Yeah. It doesn't look friendly, but he never gets a flag for it. So it must be friendly enough for for how good he's been for us since he's been here. I don't feel like this year has been a great beacon of his coaching acumen. We've seen a lot of stupid penalties, a lot of just like be better and know what you're doing. Like they just need to be coached better. It's such a young team, too, like overall across the board. Right, but that's your job. I, I so agree. make it better. There is so much inexperience on the field. We knew it was going to be an in-between year. It just uh, doesn't, doesn't feel great while it's happening. <laughs> and where, where was the urgency on that last drive, too? Like, there, were t- why, there was a time where the clock was running where we snapped the ball with eight seconds left on the play clock. Like, where's the urgency on that drive? That's what I don't get. There was no urgency on the drive. There was no nothing. There is just very frustrating all around. It was, it was very frustrating. I was not. I will say the best part of the day, Wyatt and I were there. Um, crowd couldn't be nicer. I, we sat around a bunch of nice people. Everybody was having a good time. If it's going to happen to a team, I'm happy that it's happening to a team that's just been God awful for so long, you know? At least they're going to enjoy it. Kansas fans were fantastic. But also, why do you storm the field? I okay. Are you asking I me agree. specifically? No. I, why just why in general? Storm the field. I agree. Because I I also storm the field because everybody else is going. So you might as well go. I want. I asked that too. I'm like, how many times can you storm the field in one season? Is 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 this the first or second time this year? Second. They did it last week too. They were favored by nine. If any of you recorded the game and you go back and watch the replay at the end of the game, you'll see a lot of blue and white and some red on the field. You'll see one guy in a yellow hat. Yeah, that that's and a yellow shirt. Arm. Yeah, and that's me. Shirt. I'm there. So the other the other thing that I have an issue with is uh, after every single game that a team storms the field, the Big Twelve Conference issues a fine. Right? Big Twelve. Now. 
Well, I thought it was pretty much guaranteed because TCU got a $50,000 fine. And like how safe it is, doesn't it? How safe it is for the game officials and the visiting team to exit the field. But how do you judge that? It seems so inconsistent. To be fair, on TV, it looked like the KU Stadium staff did a very good job at that, I will say. So I will give them props for that. The way that the teams exit the field, there is not a lot of seating at what is it, Booth Memorial Stadium or yeah. whatever, yeah. Uh, on that side of the field. I don't know, maybe that was why. I just hoped they would get fined, you know? I, I saw them storm the field, and I was like, well, I hope you get a $50,000 fine. It Literally what I said out loud. They might, just because it's the second time. Yeah. Two, two weeks in a row is a lot. I get it's right. homecoming, but come on, guys. Watch them storm the field next week, too. <laughs> I, I mean, it's game day. They're having game day. They're going to do it if they win. I mean, but next week also they're like actual like major underdogs. If I understand they? correctly. How much? Right? TCU's 17 and they're 18 or 18 and 19, uh, right? TCU's favored by a touchdown. Okay. That's not a ton. Not heavy. They're going to do it every week. <laughs> so, so this brings up the good. How good are they actually? And how are they as good as they are? I think we'll find out this week. I don't think this game was That's a good That's what we metric. said last week. Yeah, but we thought we would also play decently on all sides of the ball, and we you, didn't. You could, you could point out that we did find out how good KU is, and the answer is not very good. They didn't deserve yeah. to win their game. I think that KU is fine. They'll be a 6-7 to seven win team at the end of the year, in my opinion, and they'll be fine. It's not bad. You know, I... KU getting six wins is amazing. As we if we stumble our way to six wins at the end of the year, like we've been doing so far, we're not going to be that confident or happy with it. I think they're good and they're not great. It's just they got all their wins at the beginning. The schedule for the end of the year is awful for them. It's all ranked teams or teams that used to be ranked. Every single one. It's going to look rough. Their remaining schedule is TCU at Oklahoma at Baylor, Oklahoma State. At Texas Tech, uh, Texas at Kansas State. Like the only game they'll probably be favored in out of that is at Texas Tech, maybe. Yeah, I think they would be. Maybe Texas at home. Eh. I mean, I guess it depends on what they're going to play like for the rest of the season. They very well might be underdogs in all of the last seven of their games. I think the answer is they're not good. They're fine, but they're not good. When you compare it to what they have been. Good is subjective, right? That's they true. won five games, so that's a pretty darn good season for them. All credit to Coach Lance Leipold for making them not a joke. Uh, obviously, I, they're not going to end up the 19th best team in the nation. That is all momentum and hype. Uh, that's not going to last. Yeah, I I agree with that one too. I don't think they're they're quite there. But so you you've watched a lot more Kansas football of the years than I have. Are and what's the difference between last year and this year? Is it just Daniels? Is there well, anything he, else? He's played before. And he was that's what I was trying to figure year. out. Yeah, not for all the games, but quite a few. And that's what I was trying to figure out, because guess what? I didn't watch a lot of Kansas football before this year, because gross. Uh, but his stats don't look good from before. And then all of a sudden, he just transformed into this magical eight-yard-per-carry monster. So I don't know if he just took a big leap, or it's just another year of having everybody gelling together. I, I have no idea. Why it's so good all of a sudden when you have you have the same quarterback, no really big people or new pieces have stepped into play. 
But uh, I don't know. We'll see how long it lasts, and we'll see if it lasts more than one year or if this is just a flash-in-the-pan kind of freak show year. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see if it's like I right? Is this the building block? Is this like Iowa State's equivalent of uh, – of 2017, right? And then they're, they've got a little bit of a more sustained run of being good. I don't know, but we'll see. I, yeah, I don't know what it is, but we'll see. The next seven weeks will be very telling for, uh, for KU, if they're actually any good or not. We will see. Um, moving right along, I guess, anybody have any other thoughts on this week, or should we move on to next week? Should we just, we'll just, move just, on just, to flush, week, just flush it and forget it? Pretend this remember it. No, remember that. Let it sit in your soul. I hope everybody on the team is. There's enough pain in my uh, sports soul that I don't need this there too. I had to watch Minnesota absolutely lay an egg right before that Iowa State game. It was not a fun Saturday. Let me tell you. Yeah, it's a Purdue. It's not a fun, not a fun Saturday. Minnesota, their wide receiver caught the ball in the end zone and then he just sort of like handed it to the defender and it was a... Uh, it was terrible, terrible. Sorry, that's very off topic. Anyway, um, next week for the Cyclones, uh, home game under the lights, six thirty kickoff. Um, K State at Jack Trice Stadium, number twenty K State. Um, it'll be a six thirty kickoff, like I said on ESPNU. Um, the Cyclones are two-point underdogs, according to Vegas, but ESPN's Football Power Index, which we know how much Ariane loves, still gives the Cyclones a 55% chance of winning. I mean, if you would have asked me last Friday, I would have said the key to this week's game is the same as the key to the KU game. Don't let the run game beat you, and you're going to win. But that, that's what we did against KU, and we still lost. But I don't know what else to say. Again, don't let the don't, don't let Adrian Martinez kick. yeah don't let Adrian don't let Martinez uh, beat you on the ground and you're going to be fine. Just like you can't let Daniels beat you on the ground. Quick, quick question for you guys. We won't keep it too long because we've been talking a lot. Wyatt and I were talking that night. Wyatt said, "I don't know why he was even out there for the last kick. I take him out. I already missed two. Do you not stand by that now? I do not. I do rescind that statement. Okay, never mind." I do rescind that statement. I did originally say, why would you put him back out there after doinking it twice? And worst case scenario, what comes out of this, in my opinion, is that you get a redshirt freshman more opportunity or more experience, I guess, in in a uh, very disadvantageous zone of being a visiting field. And it was very loud down there in that half bowl as well. You know, you're at the bare minimum getting this kid some more experience. Initial thought there, why put him in? Because you know he's already in his own head, right? After that second doink, he's in his head. I even try. But as Coach Campbell and maybe an actual special teams coordinator might not, might not have done it, but maybe he was just trying to get the kids some more experience, right? So so just, just to be clear, are you suggesting that we should have brought in the other kicker or that we should have gone for it? Which, which one were you – I know you're not anymore, but which one were you suggesting at the time? At the time, I would say bring out the other kicker. Who is the other kicker? I don't even know. I don't know either. We've used him a couple times this season. Forget to, his name. Not to kick field goals, though, I don't think. I think Gilbert's the only one who's kicked field goals for us so far. Really? I mean, don't quote me on it. Because so, I know Garbarini did some place kicks, but I, I don't think he did any field goals or point after attempts. Either way, I, I still rescind yeah, that. He's statement. the only one who has kicked a field goal. And guess what? He was perfect 5-for-5 five five before that game. 6-for-9 now. 
Yeah. Ooh, it's rough. I mean, so, I, it, my opinion was just, you got to leave them in. Like you got to learn it. It's going to suck. You, you can't, I don't think you can pull them. I don't think you can pull them for that. Otherwise, that's how you, you shatter the confidence. Yeah, that kid's going to be ruined forever. Yeah. And I you guess. had, and you had to kick it there too. Right. That goes back to the sense of urgency, right? If there are two minutes left in that, right. When you have to make that decision instead of 50 seconds, maybe I go for it there. Cause it, just because I don't have a ton of confidence in the kicker, but with 50 seconds, I have no choice, but to go for it there. Oh, but to kick it there. So better luck to him for the rest of the season. Absolutely. I have some reflection that that's the, that's what I wound up back at as well. I was mad. I felt upset, but I hope, you know, I know somebody did, but I hope not very many people tried to reach out and get back in crap on social media. Doesn't deserve Everybody it. But he has a bad day at work. Yeah. Your bad day at work. Un- lucky for you is not that bad. <laughs> it's not that yeah. public. It's he, not that public. He's a true freshman. I think I mistakenly said he's a redshirt freshman. He's a true freshman. Like, yeah, and he's a great that kicker. Place was rocking. Yeah. I don't blame him at all. I have one more parting note, and this is only because I just saw it. Levi Stevenson on Twitter just posted this video. I'll set the stage for you. It's fourteen to eleven, fourth quarter, five minutes thirty seconds left on the clock. It's a third and twelve. I at this point, it's you're thinking with how well the defense has played, maybe four down territory. Why, as a team, are you running, are no routes on the field going past five yards? At the end of this play, all receivers are within five yards of the line of scrimmage, and it's an incomplete pass to Easton Dean over the middle of the field. Like, what are we doing offensive play call-wise? I think it goes... Shallow crossers. Obviously, that goes back. (laughs) They weren't even shallow crossers, I'll just tell you that. It was literally five stop and and curl routes. like hitch routes. It... Uh, what? I, think, I think I think you're trying to get too cute on your it's four down territory assessment, right? It's four down territory. Let's go get five yards. That that's too cute of a way to go get five yards. Yeah, I, the play calling is questionable. As Ariane said, you know what? Who have we beaten so far this year? Nobody. Our measuring our measuring stick is Iowa. Hey, who Iowa can't is- score. Iowa is in first place in the Big Ten West. I don't care. One. <laughs> don't care. Absolutely don't care. The Big Ten West is absolute garbage this year. Doesn't yes, matter. It yes, it is. Technically, Northwestern is in first place in the Big Ten West. So that should well, tell like you all. Medical order or something at that point. Yeah, Aren't they yeah, all I, one and one except for one team? Yeah, except for Wisconsin, who's zero and two and just fired their coach. Yeah, which surprisingly had had a very similar overall record at Wisconsin to Bo Pelini when Bo Pelini was fired from Nebraska. So mm-hmm. that tells you anything. He was like 68 and 37 or something like that, which I'm like, that's good enough for me. That's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, that seems like a very knee jerk reaction to me. But anyway, what, you guys don't listen to us to analyze Wisconsin football, do you? I certainly don't. Nope, but it's it's the next place that Matt Campbell is already told everyone's going, yep. or everyone on Twitter is telling us he's going there. It'll go right in the bucket with all the other teams that Matt Campbell was supposed to go to. So mm-hmm. I am surprised I didn't hear any rumors of him going to Colorado, though. That would, no. It's not a step up. That's that's just dumb. Like, all the other ones is like, yep, okay. I I, I can see why they would want him, and I can see why he might at least consider it. 
no, not for Colorado though. Like Nebraska, I see it. Oklahoma, I see it. Notre Dame, I see it. Wisconsin, I see it. Not not Colorado. Not Colorado. Anyway, um, we're all good now on that? We're all good? Good's not the word, but we'll say we're finished. We are finished. All right. Good therapy session. Are you feeling a little bit better than we started or a little bit worse than we started? A little started? bit better. Wyatt said I couldn't say swear words, so I don't feel as good as I could. <laughs> you can let it out now if you need to. <laughs> I was thinking this after the game. Boy, it's a good thing we don't record uh, right after the game, or this episode would uh, have a lot of uh, have a lot of bleeps in it. I got some uh, friendly heckling from KU fans. You know, before and after the game. Before the game, it's fun. I can talk back. Afterwards, we just lost. So the only thing I could say was, "Let me know when you win an effing bowl game." <laughs> <laughs> and that was that's all I got left. <laughs> we already lost. Well, I'm glad this this helped feel a little bit better. Um, Wyatt wanted us to, wanted us to talk about one more um, rules thing that happened in this game in Mike's stupid rules. So we're going to talk about kick catch interference. You saw that Iowa State um, got called for kick catch interference um, at one point in that game, um, which was a good call, by the way. Reading the rules. Um, so this in the NCAA rulebook is governed by Rule Six, Section Four, Article One. Um, it says if an inbounds play of the receiving team is located where they could catch a free kick that has crossed the neutral zone, they must be given an unimpeded opportunity, unimpeded opportunity to catch the kick. It is an interference foul if, before the receiver touches the ball, a team player enters the area defined by the width of the shoulders and one yard in front of them. You're right, so you can't, until they've had an opportunity to catch the ball, you cannot be with within one yard in front of them at shoulder width. Theoretically, you could be standing right next to his shoulder is how I'd interpret that rule, right, Wyatt? Absolutely. As long as you don't touch him and as long as you're not one yard in front of him. You can't stand in front of him so like the ball bounces off you or something, right? You're right. impeding the catch. Yeah, yeah. And then the other thing is, uh, right, so it does say this protection ends as soon as the kick touches the ground or any player, or any um, receiving team player, right? So theoretically, as long as you're one yard away from him when it touches him, as soon as it touches him, you can hit him, right? Um, is yep. So it is an interference if you touch him before or simultaneous to the touching, but as long as that touching comes after, you're, you're good. You can hit him. So that one was definitely kick-catch interference. He got there early but he was barely early if he's there half a second later that's clean i agree there's actually one more exception there with the ball touching the ground uh you could do a pop-up kick there i believe um which would technically touch the ground first but it's still treated as a as a normal kick it is touching the ground past the neutral zone is that what the what is that what it says okay yes yep yes that is correct that is an obscure penalty i don't see it called a lot and that's why i want to talk about it today yeah, it was a little bit obscure. That was a good one to talk about. I agree. I agree. Any questions about that? Kick catch interference? I think it's fairly straightforward. No, I think that's that's good. I also want to mention, because we I argue that we should have had it. There was all there was a great opportunity for a fair catch kick in the Packers Patriots game, but the Packers decided not to do it. I was a little disappointed. I was hoping for the uh the fair catch kick scenario. Would have been the third time in the NFL that's happened, I think. 
Yeah. Like one time in the sixties with the 49ers, another time in like 2012 yeah. or something. Yeah. For reference, the uh the Packers fair caught a kick at like their own 45 with like three seconds left in the game. That's like the perfect in a tie game. That's like the perfect opportunity for it, right? So I take that yeah. back. There's been a lot more than two. There's been 26 fair catch kick attempts. So never mind. Pretty much okay. the same. Yeah, yeah. Just yeah. a little more than two. 2019 was the last time it was attempted, I guess. In the London game. In London, right? Yeah. I forgot about that. Oh man. The last successful one was 1976, though. Chargers and the Bills. So there you go. And uh, we actually have some great news on accountability session. What we have here might be the greatest accountability session by a single person in the history of 8311 cast right here. It was an awesome uh, accountability session for Arian. Um, not so much for the rest of us, but very good for Arian. And uh, you will hear why. Um, first prediction coming off the board is Arian predicting that the Cardinals will make the playoffs, which they did. So next, another prediction from Arian that they would win the National League Central, which again, they did. So and then another that the Cardinals manager, Ollie Marmo, would finish with the best record against any of the three current or former Cardinals skippers in the game so that would be um tony Larusa in chicago and uh mike Matheny in kansas city correct tony Larusa, formerly of chicago he, yeah. yes he resigned today yeah um but yeah um and he did and it wasn't particularly close um so for that Arian also gets a ding ding ding, 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 ding. And uh, we'll have more from Arian later, but there were some other predictions that uh, we'll put on the board. I always do take them off in the order they were put on. There are a couple others that uh, uh, need to come off here before we get back to Arian. I predicted that the Padres would miss the playoffs again this year. They did just sneak into the playoffs. They're going to finish somewhere in the neighborhood of three games ahead of the Brewers um, for the last wild card spot. But they did make the playoffs, so for that I get eight. Kyle predicted the Giants would make the NLCS. They are not going to make the playoffs, so they can't make the championship series. So Kyle gets it. And Josh predicted the Cubs would finish the regular season last in the NL Central. They've actually played quite well over the last two months. And uh, as of recording, they're actually in third place in the NL Central a full 13 games ahead of the Pirates for last place. Um, so that is very long for Josh. So he gets a... <laughs> um, back to the good from Arian. He predicted that KU would end up ranked at some point, which as we talked about, um, they are now ranked. Arian gets a ding, 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 ding. Uh, Wyatt predicted that Iowa State and KU would be decided by more than 14 points. It's hard for a game to be decided by more than 14 when neither team gets over 14. <laughs> so yeah. for that, Wyatt gets a... Nah. Nah. But Arian, again, predicted that the game would be decided by less than seven points, which it was. So Arian gets a ding, 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 ding. For those of you keeping track at home, that was a five and O week um, for Arian in our accountability. The bases did I hit for the cycle? You did not. So oh, the bases man. on those predictions. Um, let me see. 
The Cardinals making the playoffs was a triple. The Ali Marmo prediction was a double. The Cardinals winning the Central was a triple. The KU ends up ranked was a double. And the seven-point game was a single. Dang. Just missed. Just missed it. Yep. You did not have a home run in there. Also, those five correct predictions um, this week are more correct predictions than um, any of us have so far on this Write That Down season. So it's still early, but it's safe to say Ariane is uh, off to a very, very good start. I thought you were going to say there would be more than I've predicted ever in a season being right. And I was like, yep, that sounds about right with the way my <laughs> fantasy team has started this year. Oh, no. no. So I, I, I've got four correct so far this year. Josh has three. Wyatt has one. Kyle has three. So... I'm really messing up someone's who who's write that down prediction was it about that would be the, me. Yeah, our fantasy <laughs> yeah, team us. almost take that off the board already because both of us are 0 and three. Yeah. Soon to be but, one and three. Though. Yeah, both of you Let's are going to win. The comeback starts now. Yeah, it could happen. So since we're done with that accountability session, we'll start putting stuff back on the board with me. I'm looking at the cyclones upcoming schedule. And I'm all of a sudden very pessimistic. I'm gonna say no bowl game for Iowa State this year. So for I just I just want to take us back a second here. So I was I, I was back. saying at the start of the season. I want to go back. Start of the season, I was being very pessimistic. Y'all mocked me, and now look where we I, are. I, I, no, I just I wasn't mocked, mocked you. Welcome, got Hunter Deckers is gonna get benched. To side. His arms are gonna get chopped off, and he's gonna forget what a. <laughs> Ball looks like you were all over it like he stole your girlfriend. I don't know what you were talking about. Hunter Deckers is not the reason that we're losing all these games so far. How many touchdown passes does he have? Probably like 13 already. He's got 11. Okay. And like, if I remember correctly, so- our predictions at the beginning of the season, we had the exact same record, so I don't want to hear about it. I'm not, I'm not going after you, Ariane. I'm specifically going after Mike here and really Wyatt. The, the, crap, the crap that Why you got. the only one who picked KU to, lose, to win against us? The crap that you got was because of the Decker's comment. Yes. N- comments. Yeah, I comments. still think, I like still a short think he's going to get edged. Like I, I don't even know. My gut, read here, my gut read on this one is a double. Maybe a triple. Maybe a single. I don't know. I was about to say. Do we, do we just add, do we add all the FPIs up? And no, FPIs try and get garbage. Statistical here? Say FDR. FPI is garbage. <laughs> I, I, like, say, I say double. It might happen. It might not. You can't even fend for himself anymore. Leave FDR alone. Let's just let's let's off the gut. Uh, are we gonna win versus Kansas State? Probably not. Maybe. Okay. But maybe are we gonna you win could. At Texas. Uh, I have a gut feeling maybe. that we beat K State for some reason. Okay. But I don't think we're beating Texas. My, no. If Kansas can do it, we Oklahoma. Can do it. I doubt it. No. Maybe. West Virginia? Yeah, probably. Well, that's probably the one to we're going to lose. Let's be real. <laughs> oh, At o- OSU? No. 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 Nope. First Texas? Maybe. Maybe. Yeah, you could win Texas. And then at TCU to finish unless they start sucking? Probably not. Eh. So we're looking at two wins that we feel confident of, which right. puts us and, on short. But you probably, be, right? You, they could very well beat somebody they're not favored sure, of course against. They right? would. They'll be favored. But they in could also, games. they could also lose to West Virginia, who they'll probably yes, be favored against. Double. I'm fine with double. Sure. What well, is it's not, not a triple? 
No way it's a triple. I'm good with a double. That's what I was hoping for for this was a double. Do everything from Josh this week. He's still alive. Yep, he's still alive. Uh, he was enjoying that Packers uh, overtime win over the Patriots. Um, and he is uh, going to predict, he's buying the Lions, especially their offense. He's going to predict that the Lions finish second in the NFC North. They either pass the Vikings or the uh, Packers. Had a good stat. He's not that. good enough for that. This seems like a triple or a home run to me. I buy, I buy the Lions a little bit more. They're not finishing last because the, the Bears are awful. Maybe like the, the Lions like the took the Bears' offense as well. Right I'm, I'm pretty sure the Lions are behind the Bears right now in the standings. I'm but just, I think they, the Lions have played a tougher schedule so far. So the stat that I have maybe, on the Lions is that they currently, they currently average 35 points per game. They're, They're the only team three. in the NFL to average over 30. Uh, right yeah, now, they are. They're absolutely in first place for average points per game. Like, they're not bad. They just. But what points? Have what's defense. points against? Yeah, uh, a lot because their defense are they, is garbage. They have are they one last less in the league? Probably. They're negative one in point differential. Oh, They've man. had 141 points scored against them, which, uh, yeah, that's last by a lot. A lot. <laughs> Next closest I see is 107. No, sorry, 115. By the Seahawks, who are also not good. That this is a triple or home run for sure. What, what do we think? Hey, I'm okay with the triple. triple. I'm buying into the Lions. I think triple. they'll be pretty good. They'll be okay. Yeah. Uh, triple. The Lions or KU? <laughs> I believe in uh, the Lions more than KU. I um, I agree with that. I don't. I, also I, I like Jared Goff, Goff more as a quarterback than I like Jalen Daniels. So, oh, I also don't. My prediction is that Kansas is going to lose the rest of their conference games, aka the rest of the yeah, schedule. buddy. Hey, that has historical precedence. So it does. Uh, 2009, baby, and and we would be their last win, so it would feel almost prophetic. I can't tell you how many times I, I brought that up this past weekend. <laughs> a lot, a lot. Uh, I'm feeling triple. At least I'd be sh- I'd be triple shocked. If not a home run, run. I feel like a home probably run. a home run. Yeah, yeah, home run. Yep, I'll take it. What do you got, Kyle? Uh, I'm saying that this week, KU loses to TCU by 14 or more. I honestly don't know a ton about TCU. Well, they did almost, they did put up 42. They put up 42 on the first half. And over 600 total yards against, correction, OU, not Alabama. Oh, yeah, OU, sorry. OU, Bama. My question is, do they have really good defense? Because we know KU can score as well, usually, so... If it's a high-scoring game, eh. so the 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 line is is TCU favored by seven. Yeah. Yeah. So this is at least a double. I'm probably thinking double, maybe triple. I'd go for a triple on that. I was gonna say I'm between a double and a triple. I vote triple. Uh, uh, we'll go we'll go triple. That's fine. Uh, that's fine. Give it to you. All right. What do you got, Ariane? Uh, I am gonna go on the board and say KU will win more games. State. At the end of this season, you'll have more wins than Iowa State. I mean, yep. this is a single, right? Since yeah. I just went through our schedule and didn't feel confident about more than two wins, and they already have that. This I, this is a single. Yeah, I agree. That's perfect. I'm glad to see that's where we all are on the season right now. <laughs> that's perfect because that actually allows us to hit the cycle this week. And with that cycle hit with 
a single, a double, two triples, and a home run. That concludes our Write That Down prediction segment, which means we're at the end of the episode. Thank you so much for dropping by this week's episode of the 8311 Cast, episode 193. From now until next week's episode, be sure to check in with our social media pages at 8311Cast on Instagram and Twitter. Signing off for the 8311 Cast, we have your hosts, Kyle Mersh, Mike Ludwig, Ariane Barry, and Wyatt Theodore. Talk to you all again next week. Go Cyclones! Go Cyclones! Go Cyclones. Yeah, go Cyclones.